Welcome to SEC Football Live here on the 440 Sports Network and that SEC podcast. His name is Michael Bratt. My name is Braden Gall. And we do appreciate you guys hanging out. The regular season, or I guess I guess it is technically the regular season, is over. They used to count championship games as regular season and in the regular season statistics, but not anymore. SEC championship game is upon us. Georgia and Alabama. Mike, we got a lot to discuss today. We have two new coaches. We have a Heisman Trophy. Uh, we've got a bunch of coaches, I think, going into the hot seat next year. We've got some some teams that need some congratulations, some fan bases that need talking off the ledge. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff to do. How are you, man? Welcome back to Nashville, by the way. How are you? Yeah, doing good, man. Um, it's great. It's great to be out of the woods and back <laughs> to civilization. I think I've eaten out every every night since I've been back outside of Thanksgiving. And yeah, boy. I'm, boy. I'm ready. I'm ready to get some work done. All right. So a lot of stuff to do today, and and we'll, we'll try to move quickly. We'll try to get to your comments as as well. Um, and I, I want to start with a question you were not prepared for that I didn't tell you, but I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to ask this to you like just live and see if you think anything's think anything's of it. Um, and I was, I was, I was sort of looking at the top nine teams that are going to be, I think Missouri's clearly number nine. I think the top eight are pretty clear in college football. And I was looking at it and I'm seeing the top three teams in the sec, which I think are pretty clearly Alabama, uh, uh, Georgia, and Missouri. The best two teams in the big 10 are Ohio State and Michigan, and and Texas, a future SEC team. Quinn Ewers technically is a transfer, but not really, because the only reason he went to Ohio State was because the Texas state law on NIL hadn't been put in place yet. Otherwise, he would have gone to Texas. He graduated high school a half a year early. Essentially, six of the best nine teams and the best five teams in the Big Ten and the SEC all have recruits as their starting quarterbacks. Is that purely anecdotal, in your opinion? Because the, the the ratio of Power 5 teams and in the SEC is about 65% of teams start a transfer. And I'm just curious if you think there's anything to that, that Brady Cook, Carson Beck, Jalen Milrow, all homegrown. Quinn Ewers, largely homegrown. Obviously, there could be a guy who wins the Heisman at LSU that is a transfer. But these guys are all homegrown, and they're the best teams in the SEC. Is that just coincidence? Is that anecdotal? Is that a one-year thing? What do you think? Um, I think it's uh, very complicated, and we can't just narrow it down to, to one thing, a recruit or a transfer, because I'm looking at your list here, and I'm you know the guys that are recruits, I think most of them, same coach, right? Uh, at, whereas like Bo Nix, he transferred because of a coaching change, and then a coaching change in Oregon. You know, does that does that make sense? So I think it's a, a combination of coaches. I think it's a also I looking at this list. I have to imagine every one of these guys is, has a nice nil deal. So I mean, I I think that's a fact. I mean, I I think it's many different things. I, I'm just curious. I just was. I just. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's always more complicated than just black or white. But I I don't think it's a surprise that the ratio of the best teams and oh by the way not one of those top 9 quarterbacks in college football at the top 9 teams I should say not one of those guys transferred this year they all have been in their system for more than a year which I think there's something there's some something to note in that department as well um so I don't know again it doesn't mean that you know it, it, I'm not sure what it means I just thought it was interesting and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I I still think I still think you have to build through recruiting. I don't think Sam Pittman's going to fix his offensive line issues with the portal. I don't think you can fix offensive line problems with the portal. You you can fix your quarterback problem, but 
I don't know, the best five teams in the best six teams, maybe in the best two conferences, if you count Texas as an SEC team, are all doing it with guys that that are largely homegrown players. And so I don't know. But we could go we could go a little bit step further. And I'm looking at the rankings like Ole Miss transfer, Oklahoma transfer, LSU transfer. Yep. uh, Notre Dame transfer. And and none of those teams got to where they wanted to be. I I don't know. I, I think that's probably a jump too far. I, I don't think yeah. there's a connection there, but I mean, if you look in just the SEC, I mean, like, like we can go around around the horn here and it's just loaded with transfers uh, and some of them didn't play particularly well or didn't maybe achieve what fans expected them to. Graham Mertz got much better at at, at Florida than he was at Wisconsin. So I just wanted to ask you, um, I, I there's going to be some guys in the portal that are going to come to the SEC. Devin Leary didn't work. Joe Milton didn't work. Rattler took a step back, even though he was playing very good football. Graham Mertz got better. Um, Jackson Dart was pretty good this year, got probably got better. Um, I, I think for the middle of the middle of the pack in the SEC, I just think it's sort of a crapshoot is, is maybe what I'm getting at. <laughs> I don't know. I think at the top, you want your guy. And, you know, Jalen Hurts and Tua, and I, I would count Stetson Bennett as homegrown. I would count him as home homegrown. <laughs> Kirk, let me, let me Kirk, ask you this then. Out and come back. Do you think Kirby has learned a lesson to where maybe he doesn't chase? I'm trying to think of of who who it would be, but um, Cam, Cam Ward's going into the portal from Washington State. He's been rumored to have a ton of offers. He's a top 15 ish type of quarterback. Um, uh, Will Howard at Kansas State's a very good player. He's going into the transfer portal already. Uh, as well, so let's say let's say KJ enters tomorrow. Do you think Kirby has learned his lesson to say, "Hey, I'm gonna," you know, they got some studs there too, and they they had those guys, and they still went after JT Daniels, um, Jamie Newman, Caleb Williams, you know, and and that didn't none of those guys worked out. It was the it was the guy they often looked over. You yeah, know? and and I know that, and and somebody said uh, Avery said you wouldn't count Stetson as homegrown. I, Stetson is sort of a unique beast, all in all into himself. He doesn't really fit into any category, but he is clearly a like he went he went to Georgia out of high school, so by definition he he technically was a recruit. I don't think you need to go after KJ Jefferson because you built a machine of of recruiting good players. It's the way Nick Saban used to do it at, at quarterback. I think Jacob Coker is the only, unless I'm unless I'm drawing a total blank. I think Coker is the only transfer in that I can think of that has won the national championship. Uh, what about, um, uh, I mean, I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow's a big one. Joe Burrow's a big one. What about the guy from Miami that wasn't, wasn't Tyler, Alabama in Tyler Van, him about Tyler a year Van ago? Dyke. Tyler Van Dyke is into the portal as well, but I don't think he's very good. <laughs> so. He's okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, don't, I, don't I saw him go is. up and down the field against A&M. That's the only game I watched yeah, and then this, he, this year. Miami people were very happy that he got benched later in the year. So um, if KJ goes into the portal, which I think is a possibility, that's also a a big name that I would assume draws a lot of attention and financial incentive. Um, Okay. So I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, A lot of stuff to get to. Again, we're going to talk Mike Elko to Texas A&M, Jeff Levy. Got a lot of stuff on Jeff Levy. I am fascinated by Jeff Levy to Mississippi state. Uh, Just as a college football fan, I can't wait to watch. Uh, I think there's some big picture uh, conversations that need to happen around Tennessee. Hot seat in 2024 is absolutely loaded in this conference. Uh, but let's start with, first of all, I just want to explain, like, I don't know what you guys were doing on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. I was on the, I had my, my wife and I were on the couch with my seven-year-old daughter. 
and she got to stay up later than the five-year-old to watch the end of the Iron Bowl. And we were kind of like, uh, you know, in delay, like watching it in kind of like a couple of minutes behind. Right. So I, I don't use Twitter anymore when I'm watching the games. I like to just kind of sit down and watch. And my seven-year-old super into SEC football, so I'm indoctrinating her. But I just I fell off the couch laughing. I just fell off the couch. I was just laughing so hard. And that's all I could do when Isaiah Bond catches that pass in the back of the end zone. And Jalen Milrow makes that play. And I'm just, I'm just laughing. And the, my first thought is couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, <laughs> to, to freeze. They called a timeout. They called a timeout to design a play in which you spy a quarterback from 31 yards away from the end zone. I don't understand that. Um, and I thought Auburn was the better team or at least earned their, their point total and, and the fact that they had the lead. But I, I don't know. Like now the end of the montage no longer ends with the kick six. It ends with Gravedigger, man. And I just couldn't, I could not. My daughter was like, why are you laughing? And I was like, I can't explain to you the entire intricacies and d- dynamics of the Hugh Freeze coaching lo- ca- career. I can't, I can't. Yeah, fourth, fourth and 25 was also Hugh Freeze. I kind of forgot about that. Oh, I know. It's idiot. the most, it's the most Hugh Freeze thing of all and it's Auburn fans look they're going to be good they're going to be better and certainly they played their best two games in losses this year to Georgia and Alabama but this is the same guy who would beat Alabama one week and then lose to Memphis the next week right or like this is this is what Hugh Freeze is like you got to be used to this and you got to be prepared for it they're going to be good they're going to be eight nine win-ish good I just don't I don't think that they're ever going to get past that and I think Mm. they might have a couple ten and two seasons but they're going to have 10 and two seasons where they lose to like Mississippi state and Arkansas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, we just got some devastating news in the count. I pre I I'm sorry to hear that Taylor man what lost happened? his job. He said, he said, he said, we are, we are his lone bright spot. Look, can we, can we try to pick him up at all with uh, Arkansas? Can, what, what is, where, where did what, that? Ha- sorry. I didn't, I didn't see that happen in the comments there, but, uh, but w- can we, can well, we get this? I, that man, sucks, Taylor. That one sucks, thing Taylor. to be excited about for Arkansas. We, we got to try to lift this man up. All right. Here's all right. We're going to move our we're going to move our hot seat conversation right to the front. Here's the one thing I would say, uh, Mike, about mm-hmm. Sam Pittman. First of all, I think he got the extra year because he's a great guy. I, mm-hmm. I think I think when when you are good to people, you are given an extra chance. And maybe the fans don't like that. But here, here's what I would say. You know how much debate we have over coaches? You know, Mike, like, are we sure about this hire? We, we don't know about Jeff Levy. We're not sure about Mike Elko. We think it's this. We, we're going to grade the hire. Oh, who, Billy, is Billy Napier on the hot seat? Like, I find it comforting to be in a situation, if I'm an Arkansas fan, that you just are going to know the answer. Is that, does that sound weird? Like, they're either going to bounce back and be really good, and you're going to enjoy your football team, and you're going to get to know exactly that Sam Pittman is the right guy who can handle hiring a staff and rebuilding a roster and can manage a really complicated and deep SEC schedule. Mm-hmm. Or you're not, right? And and to your point, I mean, and we all do this, so I'm not not picking on Arkansas or anybody, but it's like, you know, we got this pie in the sky. I mean, like A and M thought they were getting Ryan Day for a minute. You know what I mean? Like, there's always no, that's ridiculous. There's this elite coach out there that's going to come in here and fix everything, and you end up with Jeff Levy. Uh, no, no comment on that right quick. But uh, I mean, I had, I had John neighbors on my show and I was, I was telling him that I had heard that, uh, it's a guy's name, Rhett, Rhett Lashley 
Like that that was kind of the guy that they're they're looking at if they made a move on Sam Pittman. And that's so uninspiring. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. th- that's who yeah. you're getting. You're not getting uh I don't know, insert a name here. I, I mean not not even Gus Malzon, Dan Mullen, which I don't even know if retread is the way you want to go either, but um I would take Gus Malzahn at Arkansas in two seconds, and I think he would do a pretty good job. I don't think you're winning national championships at Arkansas, though. So if that's your if that's your standard, this mm. this isn't 1963 anymore. But I I do think that I I don't know. I think Gus Malzahn's a pretty damn good coach. <laughs> like you don't beat Nick Saban multiple times and also go to the national championship game. That's the part of the resume Hugh Freeze is hey, missing. Now you're getting depressing again. All right, let's okay. let's okay. spin it positive. Arkansas here. Arkansas is one of the best fan bases in all of college football. They have extraordinary resources. They're going to get to recruit Texas more because of the Texas Oklahoma thing. How about how about this though? Because I think this is more important than than any of that. Pittman has made four coordinator hires, and I think three of them have been great to outstanding. Now one one was awful, <laughs> but I, I would I would put Kendall Bryles in the fifty fifty category. Oh no, he was he was great. I, if, I, if we could just swing it back to another great hire. Okay. I, th- I, th- I think we're good at, at offensive coordinator. I, I think the, and not to, again, this is not, I have a tough time not just being a realist here. I think it's going to be hard to find this the guy. Needs positivity, not realism. Well, okay. Then, then here, then here, okay. Here's the, cause I think it's hard to hire a, co- a coordinator when you're clearly this much on the hot seat. I, th- I right. just think it is. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. But I think what you can do is you can be risky, right? You can be, you can take a bigger risk. You can shoot for like a, a maybe a, a riskier candidate, and I don't mean like risky, like off the field issues. I mean risky, like unproven. Right. Like find that guy that is that that nobody's quite thinks is ready yet, but you're willing to take a chance on because you think you see something in his offense. Kind of like and, Travis Williams. Yeah, uh, sure. It's probably I mean, a good example, don't you think? Austin Armstrong was supposed to be that for Florida, and they finished 122nd in yards per play on defense. So, but that's the kind of guy I think you have the freedom to to maybe be riskier with the hire. I also think if you're an Arkansas fan, and I think this goes to, um, I think Billy Napier at Florida as well, mm-hmm. which is, I think we are in a situation. I find it comforting to be in a situation as a fan to just be in a year where we are just going to learn the exact truth. Like Florida's either going to win seven or eight games or nine games. And it's going to be, Oh yes. All that, all the positive things you like about Billy Napier are real. Or they're going to go five and seven and six and six again. And you're going to be like, oh, all the negative things about Billy Napier are real. You know what I mean? Like you're you're right. in a mo- you're in a moment where it's definitive now. And I think at Arkansas, because you've kept him, it is definitive. And you haven't hired a guy that worked for Art Bryles for nine years, like Jeff Levy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about Chris's comment here? In six years, Elko will win an SEC title and a Natty. But let maybe let's hold off on Natty because we got to. I got to win a division first. Right, well, there's no more division. No, true. There's but, no more division. I, but I keep screwing we, that up. we got to win a conference title before we can talk national champion. In six years, if Mike Elko does he win an SEC championship, what what are the odds you're giving him? I mean, I think zero out of a hundred. Zero unlikely. A hundred. It's happening. God, he could be a really good coach and not win one. So it took how long did it take Kirby to win an SEC championship? Twenty. What was the first year he won the SEC title? Because he because he lost in 2017 in the mm-hmm. playoff, but didn't he win? He beat Auburn in the SEC championship game. I feel like right is that the 
Yeah, uh, I, I, I think he should. I think he should have one. I think he should have an SEC championship in the first six years because the A and M team is this roster is one of the top five rosters in America going into next season. Wait, Kirby did it in year two, didn't he? <laughs> was was it was seventeen year two? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Michael says yeah. That they beat that was a two loss Auburn team that won all those games. Um, I, I listen. I think <clears throat> I I think he's got the roster to do it. If he's the real deal, I think he's competing for an SEC spot in the SEC championship game quickly. Mm-hmm. To me, it's but, more about are you competing for it? Like, are you close? That's more important. More important to me. What What's the number zero out of a hundred though that he wins? I I give him an SEC championship. Uh, 60%, 65%, I don't know. 75. I, I 75%. Yeah. So you like that. I mean, I, I like the hire a lot because it's different than anything they've done since, like, basically R.C. Slocum. And the pup the pup agrees. <laughs> with, with, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think what's interesting, um, uh, yes, and Bo points this out, they they aren't hitting the portal right now, evidence that AM made the right hire. Also, it could be evidence that you wrote really good NIL contracts. Um, we're going to talk, let's talk, we can, we can get, I want to talk Georgia, Alabama, but let's talk Elko and, and Levy here because Mike Elko is, has been hired 16 and nine at Duke nine wins first season right away. Excellent. Four years as the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, their defenses went from 72nd in the nation to 35th in the nation to 34th in the nation to sixth in the nation under Mike Elko in yards per play. He's kept Elijah Robinson, of course, which I think is huge. Um, they've hired, they've basically tried everything. They tried a former NFL coach. They tried a rising group of five coach. They tried a retread national championship coach. And now they just sort of hired a regular guy. And I think the regular guy is what they needed because here's the thing that I really like about the Elko hire. And number one, the stories you hear about how practice was different under Jimbo Fisher for the offense and for the defense. Like he's the complete opposite personality type of Jimbo Fisher and and he's extremely organized. The de- the defenses at Duke, the culture building, the or, like all that sort of stuff that you need to be good at, he's very very good at. I think what's interesting about Elko, Mike, is you don't have to be an elite recruiter anymore in the high highest levels of college football if you have an elite NIL structure and system, right? I think that's fair, and they clearly have that <laughs> at A and M. Uh, but again, I, that's, that's my least concern with, I don't care if they hired Art Bryles. I think they'd be able to recruit really well. You know what I mean? Cause it's A&M and it's, and all this, and, and, and I'm, I threw him out there cause I think he's the worst example that you could hire of, of someone that's, that is, there's going to be backlash, but, um, uh, so I, a talent, talent's not going to be an issue. They just, they've just had piss poor coaching. And, and hell, I thought the offense looked with some guy I never even heard of, Jalen Henderson. I thought that the offense looked fun and exciting with, as soon as they got rid of Jimbo's ass, you know? So, uh, yeah, just uh, stop hand, handcuffing your your system, your your offense, your your skill talent. That's And that's what they've been doing. So that's why I'm so excited. And, and the coach effect for Mike Elko is off the charts. It's a, it's a, it's a 180 from what Jimbo – Yes, was doing at at A and M. Now that doesn't mean they're going to win the national championship year one or anything crazy, but A and M under Jimbo, you're you're losing games you shouldn't be losing based on your talent. And I'm specifically thinking of, you know, losing damn near every time against these Mississippi schools, which 
not trying to be disrespectful to them, but A&M's got significantly more talent than any of them. Um, you know, games like Tennessee, I, I never felt that they were going to win once once we saw them on the field. But I, I think the opposite is going to help uh, occur under Elko, where you, you, you're consistently going to win those games. And then the games against Bama, Georgia, and Texas, I think they're going to win their, you know, upset their fair share under Mike Elko because that's I, what he did at I Duke. Agree. I, I agree. I, I think maximizing your talent is the key with a guy who is an, an adult. You, you need to be like an adult CEO at a place like Texas A&M. And I think they hired like a mature human adult. <laughs> I think that's, that is what's interesting to me about this because you can let like the whole Stoops thing is fast. Cause I, here's the, I think Mike Elko and Mark Stoops are basically the same person. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see them as ultimately largely all that different. They, they are culture organized leadership development, uh, you know, mature adults who are defensive coaches. They even kind of look the same in the face. <laughs> Like, like, I think they kind of hired, like, that's, I, I don't, but I don't, what's weird is I don't know if Mark Stoops can, can win at the highest levels. I, I think it's fair to say we don't know if Mike Elko can do that either, but I, I think he's, I think he's going to give Texas A&M as good a shot as they could have hired in this, in this pat in this group. Well, I'm glad so. you, you referenced uh, Stoops because you're not foolish enough to believe that he turned down A&M, are you? Oh no, I, but I, but he's also not the Greg. It's also not the Greg Schiano thing that Tennessee did either. Like right. like Mike Elko is the the Mike Leach of that story, not the Jeremy Pruitt of that story. <laughs> right, but I heard it said perfectly. Mark Stoops got caught at the restaurant with his girlfriend. Yeah, I know. Who, if, if I if I'm Kentucky, that's that's what happened. I I would also argue if I'm a Kentucky fan, be careful what you wish for. I, I think if I'm a Kentucky fan, I am panicked this morning if Mark Stoops has left. I, I, I think that guy, you and I have argued about Mark Stoops enough. We're not going to continue it because I don't think he can win a national championship at a place like Texas A&M where you have to be like sort of a next tier coach. Mike Elko at least might be able to do that. But I think at Kentucky, he's a great, that's what, nine winnings, eight winning seasons out of nine. And the only one was a, was a pandemic year. I, I don't know. I don't think no other coach has ever done that at Kentucky. I think if Kentucky fans are telling you they wish he would have gone, I think they're lying. And I think they would have woken up the next morning wishing that they would not have ended the relationship because they saw him at a restaurant with another girl. Mm. Especially after his NIL comments and all this. Mm, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's been looking for a way out and he saw it and he tried to, he tried to take it. And now, he's I mean, I, but also you got to be stupid kind of not to turn like, I don't know. He's been frustrated with the administration at Mitch Barnhart and Kentucky and the NIL stuff and the state laws and the recruiting. And like, they've, they've not given him, they've given him everything else to succeed from a, a, a facility standpoint, but Did you see what this guy, it was 2 AM closing time. <laughs> Look, they, when the lights come on, you got, when, when the lights come on at the bar, you got to make a choice, man. You got <laughs> to make a choice. <laughs> you take, you take what's available to you at 2 AM at the bar. Now I, I I've had a lot of my Tennessee buddies be like, Oh, look, I guess this was the Shiano moment. It's like, no, I, I think that they were close to a deal and then they rehab had another meeting and they decided, and this is kind of from what I understand, like, look, I think this isn't this isn't necessarily the way we want to go. I, I have some questions about X, Y, or Z. And what I find ironic is that they hired Mike Elka, who to me is basically Mark Stoops 
2.0 and might be a little bit better, but they're basically the same person. Like they even look the same. They have the exact same track record. They, I mean, like their entire personality is similar in terms of how they build an organization. And so I, I, I find that to be funny, but Elko has experience in college station. And I think he's a, he's got a little bit more upside and Texas A&M will give him the resources and the players to do it. So I, if I'm an A&M fan, I'm, I'm excited because I think the last time they hired somebody that was on staff was RC Slocum, I think. And I think that's the, you know, it's the winningest coach in A&M history. So mm. uh, they've tried a bunch of other, they tried to hire the Alabama coach. They tried to hire an NFL coach. They tried to do all this stuff and it didn't work for 25 years. And so now I think they've just hired a guy who's like a good ball coach who just what, is going to. Now, what about uh, Jeff Levy? You seem pretty excited. Something there. So I'm excited about Jeff Levy just to watch it happen. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's so, pretty wild. They're, you know, the reception and carrying around the AD. I've, I've never seen anything like it. So there's, I have, this is so complicated to me. And I spent all morning trying to think about what were the right, what's the right way to approach this because he learned everything he possibly could about being a head coach or a coach in college football from Art Bryles at Baylor from 2008 to 2016. He was there the entire time Art Bryles was there. So he knew every single thing that was happening behind the scenes with that godforsaken piece of shit that was running the Baylor program. However, if all you learned was how to run an offense, Art Bryles is a brilliant X's and O's coach, like Urban Meyer, a brilliant X's and O's coach, kind of a trashy human being. So if Jeff Levy only learned how to run a program, on the field from Art Bryles, then it's a positive. What I find interesting is that the athletic director, Zach Selman, what I have been told, he was at Oklahoma when Levy was hired as the offensive coordinator. What I was told is that the vetting process to get Levy hired at Oklahoma was very complicated. That it was very difficult, that it almost didn't happen. And that when it got, when it got done, it got done like the day before they announced it, two days before they announced it, the vetting process, and he didn't exactly endear himself through that process by bringing Art Bryles onto the sideline of the football team. So I think that's all interesting stuff. He's, I think there's been a falling out with him and Lane Kiffin based on what I know about how that ended at Ole Miss. So I think there are some interesting dynamics to keep track of. I think his offense is going to be pretty darn good. I mean, I don't think it's as unique as everyone thinks it is because a lot of these teams in the SEC are running this offense now. And I don't think it beats the best teams with the best players. I think it gives them a baseline of quality football every single game. But I don't think it – I'll say the same thing about all the other offenses that are running this. I, I, I don't – you've got to evolve it. I was also told by somebody – and this is the good news for, for Mississippi State fans. I was told by somebody that they believe he's a better organizer, leader, and recruiter than he is play caller. So if he decides to hand off play calling duties, which I think – How would, would anyone be, know that? I, just people that are, are around him. So if if right, if you believe his, done it. if you believe his, well, no, you can see how like he was big time responsible for the NIL stuff that happened at Oklahoma. So he's absolutely been an excellent recruiter. So we know that um, that his leadership skills, that players love him, that people respond to him around him, that all that stuff, like that's sort of the organizational stuff that you know, as much as you can be as a coordinator, that is very positive when you talk to people that have worked around him and been around him, I'm curious if he hands off play calling duties, just like I'm curious who Mike Elko hands hires as a coordinator. I don't think it should be Bobby Petrino. I think Bobby Petrino is very good, but I think you need a clean break here. 
if you're Mike Elko. I think if I'm Levy, I don't want to be the guy calling the plays on offense. I think I want to hire a good coordinator. He's, just, he's already come out and said he's calling plays. I know. I don't like that. I think that's dangerous. I think you're you're asking that that's a lot of water to tread when you're trying to learn how to be a CEO at the same time. You know what I mean? Like Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. What do you always say about Billy Napier? He sucks. <laughs> that it's just a lot to be the play caller and the head coach in the yeah. SEC. It's a lot. And if you're very like from what I've been told again, from what I've been told, very good organizationally, very good leadership players respond to him. Good recruiter. Great at the NIL space at Oklahoma. If that's all true, then I would hire somebody to be the coordinator. I would hire a really, really good defensive coordinator. And then I think Mississippi State fans are going to, I think you should expect eight eight to nine wins. I think that is his upside if he does everything right. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the defense too because the place is running that offense. They have pretty average to, to below average defenses. And I, I think at, at least – what he's inheriting, he'll he'll have by far the worst defensive talent of any of the teams that are running that scheme. So it's hard to attract a, a good defensive coordinator to pair up with that scheme. It is so that that's a concern. And Mississippi State's always prided itself on the defense. Um, so, Eric, what is? I, don't know. I agree with you, Eric. What does this mean? Um, uh, enough with this transitive property arguments. They are circular and never ending and prove nothing. I'm not sure what that I, I'd like a little bit more clarity on that, Eric, from what you mean well, they're, by that. They're, they're arguing about Missouri Ole Miss and who oh, okay. win. Okay. Was, <laughs> uh, Missouri's Missouri's better. Uh, Ole Miss is damn, but all, but also Ole Miss is damn good. So they're both great. Um, I, I think I think you used the phrase on your show today, like home run or total failure for Jeff mm-hmm. Levy. My, my issue with that is how, how do you define that at Mississippi State? I, I think a home run at Mississippi State is eight or nine wins and like a really entertaining offense. I think what Dan Mullen did and Mike Leach, I think those are those are offensive minds that created really interesting and fun teams to watch. But like you're probably never going to get I, I don't know if you can ever get better than like nine and four or eight and four or nine and three or ten and ten. And I, mean, I think a, I think a I home know. run at Mississippi State is uh, having a winning record over Lane Kiffin. Let's start there. Sure. That would be one. And then, um, you know, being competitive in, in damn near every SEC game, it doesn't mean winning them all, but being competitive, you know, we got to stop with these. When Alabama and Georgia plays them, it's like, it's, it's like they're playing Vanderbilt. We can't ever have that. And, you know, upsetting at least, at least one upset every year in conference play. And, and winning your non-conference, I, I think that's a that's a home run at Mississippi State. If that makes sense, it does. I think that's what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky. But that, I think that makes sense. Um, He's he never upsets anybody <laughs> worth a shit. I just beat a top ten team, but that's okay. Um, I, I think what's interesting about Levy when you talk about all the Baylor stuff it, and the vetting process and the fact that is that like this could also go the other direction in a very positive way for Mississippi State. Number one, fans don't give a shit if you win. So they don't they don't care. And unfortunately, they don't care if you whatever you did or didn't cover up at Baylor, you know, nobody cares, unfortunately, if you if you're if you're a winner. So if you're winning big, nobody cares. But I think the real interesting thing is that if Zach Selman, the athletic director, was a huge part of the vetting process to get him hired at Oklahoma, which which he was. Like. 
part of the response I've gotten from the industry is, man, they're surprised they hired him because the vetting process was so difficult at Oklahoma. But doesn't that mean he also knows everything there is to know? And he's fine with signing off on hiring him and putting his job on the line to hire Jeff Levy. So, I, again, I find it to be just utterly fascinating from a, a bunch of different standards. Like, he's a good recruiter. Uh, he's got a decent offense. I think there is a ceiling at Mississippi State with him. But what's going to be really fun is egg bowl trash talk on Twitter. <laughs> well, what happens if they win like four games next year? I mean, uh, are we, I mean, well, hell, we, we just gave the last guy 10 games and he, his ass was gone. Well, wasn't he sort of an interim, though, in general? Like, even though he, they removed interim? Yeah, no, that's fair. But I don't know. I just, I just don't. Particularly at Mississippi State, I mean, I'm not not a fan of hiring someone that's never been a head coach. I I tend to agree, but it doesn't mean that that they're all bad. Dan Mullen was never a head coach, and he was the best coach in Mississippi State history. Mm-hmm. Mark Stoops was never a head coach; he's been the best head coach in Kentucky history. Like, it doesn't mean that these guys aren't good. They're it's it's rarer to find them and harder to find them. Uh, Chris Brown says, do you think Derek Mason would be a better D coordinator at Tennessee than Tim Bakes? Now I know Derek Mason personally. I like Derek Mason, the man, the person I do not particularly love his broadcast style. Uh, (laughs) but I don't know, maybe, maybe he's better. Uh, we'll get to Tennessee in just a second. Oh, wait, one, one thing I'm just throwing up Mississippi state schedule. No, thanks. I love it when you do that over my face, by the way, you you tell me how many they're going to win next year with a first year head coach. Uh, Arizona State's going to be tougher because uh, – At Arizona him. State, too. The, Arizona State will be improved, but they're not very good. So, so let's give them three Toledo of the non-conference. UMass, Toledo, UMass, yeah. Wait, wait. Mississippi State plays Ole Miss? Oh, that's right, because it's not ordered yet. Okay, I was like, that, that's not that's not right. They're not going to play Ole Miss in week At five. Ole Miss, at Georgia. Arkansas <laughs> at home, you got to win that one. Florida at home. You just hope Billy Napier's fired by then. Maybe Shit, maybe you'll beat at, the interim. They play at Texas. Missou man. at home. Man. AM at home. At Tennessee. At Texas. I mean I mean, six and six would be a hugely successful year in year one. But I mean, we would have said the exact same thing about Shane Beamer, though, in year one at South Carolina. And then mm-hmm. he went no, he then he went and kind of overachieved. So yeah, Pitt Pittman, but but yeah. <laughs> Pittman was never a head coach, and he was there. But, oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> I like that. Um, no, there's a lot more examples of guys failing. I, I just think, I, I don't know. There are, that we mentioned it, John Summerall at Troy, Kane Womack at South Alabama, Willie Fritz, Jamie Chadwell. There's lots of guys who have been head coaches that could have done it. And they went with Zach Selman, hired a guy he knows. This is very Danny White hiring Josh Heupel. This is, this is the guy I used to work with, and I know him really well, so I'm going to bring him with me. And that that is what this is. And it could be really excellent. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to track no matter what. That's what I find interesting. It could all blow up in their face. It could be Baylor scandal, offense too not good enough, no can't hire a coordinator, no organizational skills, no experience. Could all explode in their face. Or really interesting offense, good organizational guy, good leader, good recruiter, maximizes NIL, and fans don't give a shit about what he did or didn't do at Baylor. So I, I think it's I think it's fascinating no matter what. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You want to move on to the hot seat in 2024? Fire everybody. Yeah. Uh, what number does Sam Pittman need to get to to keep his job in your mind? Six and six. They keep him around if he goes six and six next year? 
Probably, yeah. Because that, hell, I just, again, go check out interview with John Neighbors. But he said they're going to be an underdog in every game. So, well, he said every non, you know, G5 game. So, I mean, that would be like five upsets, you know, four, four or five upsets. Yeah, I think I think you'd keep them at that. Okay. Uh, Clark Lee, how, how many games? Clearly a step back for Vanderbilt. Um, they, they have a lot bigger view of athletics. They're finally investing in football for the first time in like 50 years. We have to at least win one conference game. You know what I mean? We can't, we can't, we can't be shut out again. Yeah, and they just, they've had two more quarterbacks enter the portal. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys going in and out of the portal for, for Vanderbilt. Now, don't you think that, uh, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but credit Stephen Lassen for for educating me on this. But uh, you know, these guys in the Ivy League or whatever, they can they run out of eligibility. I mean, it'd be kind of sad if they had an Ivy League roster. But some of those guys maybe want to test themselves at the SC, like go get the the best Ivy League quarterback. And well, their general manager is a former Yale safety and a, fr- and a, and a friend I mean, of mine. He's, he's, he's got to know that league. You know, there, there's got to be some players out there. <laughs> you don't think Barton could call up his buddies in the Ivy League and <laughs> find out? Oh, man. Um, Shane Beamer is fascinating to me because he overachieved early, victim of his own success. I think this year they actually hit where I thought they would hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they – but you talk about like the, the thing that I like about Shane Beamer is it's sort of like, I need to combine Shane Beamer and Billy Napier into one human. Like I like Shane Beamer feels like a, a really good in-game manager. And part of the reason they won those two games, those two seasons and had wins was that he managed games really well, made good mm-hmm. decisions, good special teams, etc. Um, But I, I, all the other stuff, like where's the development, where's the coaching hires, where's the, like I thought he's supposed to be a recruiting wizard. I mean, at least Billy Napier is the one who's doing the recruiting wizardry and developing a quarterback. And I thought South Carolina was. I thought they were doing well in recruiting. Are they not? I'm just. I'm just saying in in general. Like, I feel. I feel like they got a top twenty class. Come on now. That's like every. That's like every other South Carolina coach. They finished. They finished eleventh in the SEC <laughs> in recruiting. Yeah, I mean it's tough. It's a tough league. They got a, uh, they got, man, they got the best quarterback upcoming. That's what I keep hearing. Sellers. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, so, but so does Tennessee with Nico and so does Florida with their two guys. And, right. You know, like everybody's got that guy, at least they think. Uh, I just, I don't know what Shane Beamer does. If they go six and six, are, is he fine next year? Are South Carolina fans, um, I, I hesitate to say at times irrational, maybe. Mm hmm. No, I think he's I think he's fine as long as he gets back to a bowl game. Okay. Billy Napier, what's the number? Mm. Seven? S- sadly, I think it's about the same. If he makes a bowl game. Winning I think if he has a winning record that he's absolutely back. And, and he recruits another top ten class. But if they go five and seven, he's out. And this is what I find this is what I think should be refreshing to people at Arkansas and South Carolina and Florida. It's like if your guy doesn't do it next year you have your answer you don't need to stress about it right what remember when uh florida had standards remember that time because it's been a while i guess by, I, and I mean, by standards I'm, you mean like not murdering people no no not that okay. we don't care about that we, well, winning, we don't care winning that. we're trying to win damn games here i forgot we don't care about murder i mean they, they fired coaches for a hell of a lot 
better seasons, you know? God, what it, you know what it makes me think about is the Ron Zook years. <laughs> That's what Here, it makes. And here's their schedule next year. It's God, it's awful too. Miami, Sanford, AM, UCF, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida State, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State at Texas. <laughs> Texas is gonna come in here and fuck some shit up. <laughs> Nobody ever thought we would say that about Texas. Nobody well, thought might, nobody thought we were going to say that. They might suck. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they are, but like they are prepared to come into this league next year with a lot of talent, a yeah. very good defensive line, a quarterback, a coach who knows everything. Now, were you surprised they're firing like Corey Raymond? Um, and Sean, they fired Sean Spencer as well, the code DC. Uh, Raymond's the guy that's sort of like their recruiting ace and sort of their DB developer. But I, here's the thing is you can't, you cannot finish five and seven at Florida in year two and have a terrible, terrible, terrible defense and not make some kind of change. Right. So I, maybe they're being forced into doing that in, in general. To me, that's a good sign. That Florida's demanding he make changes. Yeah, I agree. That because or Billy or whoever saying this, that's not acceptable. You know. I, I agree. The Florida defensively should never be bad. They should never be bad. And not only were they bad, they were awful. Yeah, they were terrible. And again, you hired the youngest coordinator, you know, you tied your future to Austin Armstrong. So um, while they had a couple of, there's some things that he did better. He created more pressure. They were more aggressive, better at getting to the quarterback. I will say this about their, the back at their five game losing streak though. I mean, they are like a player two away from being like a seven and five team with like two really good wins and, and a, a dominating win over an arch rival in Tennessee. So I they, Florida's utterly difficult to evaluate. Clear development of the quarterback. Clearly developed a quarterback. The offense is solid. They're recruiting like crazy, but defense is terrible, and they still make stupid mistakes mm -hmm. during the games. That's the part that bothers me is the stupid mistakes during the games. That's my issue. I mean, it's pretty normal to spit on someone. and It's like throwing the shoe. It's like the must champ <laughs> shoe throw. You know what I mean? No, that was uh, Mullen. That was Mullen? That was Dan Mullen. My bad. Yeah, I, that was... I get all the I get all the McElwain Mullen and 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 uh, Muschamp years <laughs> confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, well, I thought we were done with that when we fired, it, when we made changes. You know, guys with the same number going on the field in week one, and then Look, I shout out Jimbo for tuning in. He's got time. He's he'll bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Jimbo Fisher says he'll bring Florida back. Promise. Yeah, let's make sure that people listening on the podcast understand it's Jimbo Fisher commenting on the show. I'll bring Florida back to prominence. He will bring them back some players. Yeah. You want to hire Jimbo to recruit for a couple of years? Probably bring you, bring you back some real dudes. There's no question there. Um, no, I, I, I find the Napier thing to be fascinating as well. But again, if you're a Florida fan, like you're going to know you, you've reached the point of the tenure where you don't have to have these debates on like sports talk radio and you don't have to have hot takes about the coach. It's like, it, we're all going to know if Sam Pittman's the answer, if Billy Napier's the answer, and we're all going to know if Shane Beamer's the answer, we're all going to know it'll just happen right in front of us. So, mm -hmm. um, all right, but here's what I will say. We came into this year with not a lot of talk about the hot seat. Everybody seems sort of stable and blah, 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 blah. Like we didn't really exactly know what, how Zach Arnett was viewed. We, we know the Fisher stuff was always there, but this year I think you're walking into a season where there's a lot of pressure on a lot of coaches. I think it's different next year. 
So. Is there anything to be said for, uh, and you would know better than I, because I don't follow these teams, but is there anything to be said for teams like Florida State and Michigan? And I'm sure there are other examples that their their coaches were on the hot seat and certainly could have understood moves being made, yet they stuck with those guys and they're having career seasons. You know, I, I realized Michigan, they went to the playoff last year too, so maybe it's not two, quite a two, career. Two, but two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, would they have done that if they turned around and hired, I don't know, Mark Stoops after a 10-win well, I I don't think Jim Harbaugh was ever on the hot seat, and I don't yeah. know if Mike Norvell was ever on the hot seat. I think Miami, for example, Mario Cristobal could be on the hot seat going into next year. Mm-hmm. He needs to prove that he can. He knows when to take a fucking knee. Um, I I don't know. I think, I mean, it, it, where's Dabo at right now with Clemson? I think you have to look at the longer term guys, and you say like Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State or Kirk Ferentz at Iowa or. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, and it's you got to know when to evolve. And mm-hmm. like this is Jimbo Fisher's problem. Jimbo Fisher never evolved. He, he he just was a guy who could recruit really, really well and talk a lot. He he never evolved beyond any of that and grew into a more mature CEO and leader. And he never did it. Like Mike Gundy, Dabo Sweeney, Kurt Ferentz, these guys have been around for 20 years. Like they've got to figure out ways to evolve. The beauty of Nick Saban is that he constantly evolves, constantly. Tries to change the rules of the game, evolves. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want wants the game to be slower. Everyone says no. He says, "Fine, we'll we'll go faster and we'll beat your ass that way." Like, or uh, maybe a, a better example for our, for our audience: drink. I mean, people they have all forgotten that they wanted his ass fired. Well, Stoops is a Stoops is exactly the same. Two and ten, five and seven, five and seven. Patience and investment. I think patience and investment works at places like Missouri and Kentucky. So what that is that the same deal at South Carolina? And we're kind of I, questioning whether I think that's I think that's a fair comparison. No, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Patience and investment is the way to go at South Carolina. I agree. Not at Florida, but at South Carolina. And not maybe, at a not at a Vanderbilt. <laughs> but I mean, it's just been, it's it's been pretty extra, awful, but <laughs> extra extra patience and extra investment, or just any investment at all, which apparently they have done now. Right, right. Because I mean, let's say they turn around and hire. I mean, I don't, I don't have a clue, but let's say they turn around and hire uh, uh, Dow Loggins at Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? Like, is it going to be any better? No, no. It's yeah, it's not. That's that's the correct answer. You know? Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think that's a fair. I think I think Missouri with Drinkowitz and Stoops with Kentucky, their first three years are very similar. We, we oh, we think we're we think we're this, but we're not really sure. And both athletic directors, both organizations, decided to stay patient and invest in their guys, mm-hmm. and it paid off in year four for both of them. So I, I I absolutely can see that. I think that's the right approach for Shane Beamer for sure. I I totally agree with that. I agree with you there. I, and I think you need to do that now with Jeff Levy. And and maybe this is your point about Sam Pittman, right? Like this is your like maybe the patience and the investment for Sam Pittman is what what works. But we'll find out next year because Drinkowitz proved it, right? Ten wins. Mark Stoop, Stoops proved it in year four when they started winning games. Like Shane Beamer's got to prove it now. But I, I agree with you. Patience and investment is 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 very underrated at programs mm-hmm. like that. All right, uh, Georgia Alabama. 
the point spread opened at three and a half. It's now up to six at time of taping on Tuesday. Um, I want you to tell me what the biggest weakness is for each team and how the other team can exploit that weakness. Cause I have my own opinions, but I want to hear yours first. Damn it. Just stealing my own questions here. All right. Uh, well, you can ask me once you're done answering. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think biggest weakness is, uh, hell, I don't, I mean, I don't see many weaknesses for Georgia. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, both of them, now maybe they were got caught looking ahead, but both of them you could kind of run on them more than I would think you could. Hell, I, I was surprised Auburn went, you know, I, I wouldn't say went up and down the field on Alabama, but they kind of did with, with no passing threat whatsoever. So that was alarming. Mm -hmm. We've kind of seen some of the similar things with Georgia Tech and Mizzou. And held Tennessee for one play of the game. I mean, you can run on Georgia too. So I don't think uh, you can run. I don't think you you can run on Georgia tr in the traditional sense. Mm. I, I think Co Cody Schrader is really the only one who did that all year. Mm -hmm. But here's what I will say, and this well, is gonna, Tech, I mean, Tech ran on them just last week. Uh, I'm going to point that out in just a second. Peyton Thorne, 12 carries, 92 yards rushing for mm -hmm. Auburn against Georgia. What position does he play? Uh, he's a quarterback, I believe. Quarterback. Brady Cook was sacked three times for 18 yards for Missouri, which means he had seven carries for 57 yards rushing. What position does he play for Missouri? Uh, I, I I think he quarterback, if I was yeah. paying attention. Hain, yep. Haynes, Haynes King, quarterback at Georgia Tech, to your yes, point, yep. had eight carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns rushing. What position does he play? Uh, Quarterback. There you go. Jackson Dart, six carries, 37 yards rushing. What position does he play for Ole Miss? Now, that game was out of hand, but what position? He's kind of a fullback, but quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. He's definitely a – I think he's a pogue, not a kook, but whatever. <laughs> um, ultimately, you see my point. I think the weakness for Georgia, if there is one, because I don't think there is one, is what Milrow does better than everybody else. And that mm -hmm. would be my area of concern if I'm Georgia, is the play breaking down and Jalen Milrow making plays with his legs. Uh, I think the the other, my concern for Alabama, do you, do you have one? What's your concern for Alabama here? Oh, uh, concern for Alabama. You know, I think of the two teams, I, I think they significantly don't have near as good uh, weapons as Georgia has like a collection of, of weapons. I don't think they do compared to Georgia. Um, I think the running they, backs are, I think I would lean Georgia in every category, mm -hmm. but I don't think the receivers for Georgia are significantly better than the guys for Alabama. I don't think the running backs are significantly better. I think Bowers is a difference maker. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But I think Milrose legs are a totally different thing than Beck brings to the table. Although Beck is Beck is more athletic than people think. I, to me, it's all about pressuring the quarterback. If you do not pressure the quarterback, I think Carson Beck will rip apart Alabama secondary. Right. That, that that's my concern. Because they just have they have too many weapons. You can't guard them all. You, I mean, you could take away two or maybe even three it, of them. They, they here. This is the way I think of Georgia's offense, and I don't know like how else to explain it. And I don't see it anywhere else in college football. It is an NFL offense. Yeah. It is an NFL offense with an NFL style quarterback with NFL style weapons running an NFL style scheme that is 
modern, progressive, balanced. It's to me, if you do not get Carson Beck off the spot and pressure him now, Alabama top 10 in the country and pressuring the quarterback, creating sacks, Georgia, actually not nearly as good at creating sacks. I think they're 67th in the nation in sacks. Mm-hmm. So Alabama much better at pressuring the quarterback. But if but if Carson Beck has time to throw in the secondary, Alabama's toast. Well, uh, now how about this? Because I guess we're just gonna steal my questions from other interviews. But which coordinator is gonna get the most heat on Saturday night? <laughs> Mike Bobo or uh Tommy Reese? Well, whichever one loses. <laughs> I know that's I well, I guess that's what I I guess that's what I'm asking you. Which offense struggles the most in this game? Uh, I actually think it's I think it's I think it's like every other time we've seen Georgia and Alabama in the last 15 years in Atlanta. I think we are <laughs> going to watch that game. 2012 Georgia mm-hmm. Alabama, 27 20 was it 2021 Georgia Alabama, there was another one. 20 was it 2017? Georgia lost and then uh, no they beat I can't remember when it was 2018 they played another one in there mm-hmm. they basically this will be the fourth time they've played I know it was Mark Rick 2018 thank you Michael um it was the next year because it wasn't because that's right he beat, beat Auburn it's going to feel like the best two teams in college football on the field that's what it's going to look like mm-hmm. you're going to watch it and there it like I think Tommy I can't believe I'm saying this I think Tommy Reese has actually done has gotten better as the season has gone along. I think Georgia fans, if they use their brains, know that Mike Bobo's offenses before he left were like the three of the best offenses in all of college football and were sort of casting dispersions on the wrong guy in that time when he left before becoming the a failed Colorado State head football coach. But these fans, they're not gonna they're not gonna blame Saban, they're not gonna blame Kirby. They're going to blame these damn offensive coordinators. Just watch. Sure. Well, that's, that's, yeah. The most hated man on every team is the offensive coordinator, and the most beloved man on every team is the backup quarterback. That's just the way football works. Um, if Jay, I think Jalen Milrose can overcome his coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> For lack of a better answer to you, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a pretty low scoring feel it out first half, and I think that shit opens up in the second half in a big way. I think Carson Beck stands in the pocket and makes a bunch of throws. I think Jalen Milrow runs around and makes a bunch of plays. I, I really believe we are in for a epic final possession, legitimate two best teams in the country, potentially type of show, type of showdown. And I would take Bama plus the six right now, especially since that number has gotten bigger. I'd pick Georgia to win, but I like the, if I'm gambling, I take Bama in the points. I, I just think we are in for a, a a real, real big time, historically great football game. And I and I hope that's the case, because both teams I think were looking ahead a little bit last week. Let's say Alabama wins in overtime, or or you know by a last second field goal or something like that. Should they both go to the playoff? I I believe they should. I don't think the committee would may do that depending on what happens. Like I don't think Washington's a top fourteen. So they'll need they'll need help basically. Is, is what yeah, I think saying. Washington. I think Washington loses. I think Washington gets beat by Oregon. I, even I mean, even every, if it's clear as day, these are the two best teams. I I mean I like it's it could be as clear as day to you and I, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how you leave. Like, I, here's the thing: I don't understand about the anti-Alabama rankings because I think Alabama has been underrated the entire year by the rankings. They have the best resume of almost anybody. Like, they have one of the best resumes in all of college football. 
a dominating win over a top 20 Tennessee, a dominating win over a top 10 Ole Miss, a dominating win um, uh, uh, over who am I now? Am I, now I'm forgetting. Oh, they beat LSU by two multiple scores in the fourth quarter. Like they, they have a better resume than almost anybody. So I don't know how Bama, if they have another win over number one Georgia, I don't know how you leave them out. Like mm. Washington, Washington is, Washington's not a, I mean, they're a really good football team. These are all really good teams, but I don't know. So I honestly, if you want chaos, you're rooting for Bama, but um, I don't know. Texas could lose. That means they're out. Florida State could lose. That means they're out. Washington loses. They're out, but then Oregon probably gets in. So I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what the committee's going to do. This is the most chaotic final week of the regular season that I can ever remember going into the championship Sunday, Saturday and, and rankings. So I don't, I don't know what to expect. I don't know. You, you cannot leave Georgia out at this point. I, I got into a bunch of debates with my friends about Georgia versus Texas and Georgia versus Florida state if they lose. And I'm like, Georgia's clearly the best team in America right now. Like I don't a loss to a top 10 Alabama close. Why does that take them out of the playoff when all these other teams have just as many quote unquote bad performances? I, I don't know. I got a hot take here. Georgia Wait, wins big. Makes they it don't easier make, for the committee. They don't make the playoff <laughs> because we gotta, we gotta in in for for overall fairness, you know, we we want a legitimate college football playoff, and the Georgia Bulldogs go on to the NFL playoff, and, and they they'll probably win it. Um, I don't even know how to respond to that. No, there, there is no college football team that would ever win. There's no college football team. If you see Georgia 29 in a row, come on now, uh, but we'll get to Michael Kelly's comment in just a second. Cause I think it's a, a, a great comment actually. And I find it to be utterly fascinating. Um, I, I think every, I, I think the best, which is the best Georgia team last year or the year before, which one was better the year before two years ago. Better I defense. I, I, I think better overall team last year. I kind of agree with that. Uh, uh, they, whoever the best football team is in the history of college football, 2001 Miami, maybe, uh, might be the best team I've ever seen. They would go Oh, and 16 in the NFL. I know. All right. Uh, cause here, here's what I really oh, No, I want to, I want to answer. I want to answer his question oh, about, okay. um, he says, Braden, a few weeks ago, you said everyone would be cheering for Bama in this game. Do you still feel that way? I, I think for some reason, <sighs> not Auburn people. I think the playoff dynamic has changed how people will root for it. Like if I'm a Michigan fan or an Ohio state fan or an Oregon or PAC 12 fan, you want Alabama to lose now because I think you want it to be clean and easy and there only to be one viable option from the sec. So I think there's like playoff rooting interests. And then I think there is like, who do I just like? And maybe, maybe I was dead wrong about that. And then everybody's just like, Nope, I see that script a, and I can't do anything but hate it. <laughs> but like, I don't know, like Georgia's if Georgia wins, how many have they got 29 in a row? Yes, first sir. team in, a, a, SEC record first team in sec history to go eight, no three straight years. That's yep. going to be, pre, that's going to be pretty easily uh, hateable eventually. If it's not already there. Uh, I, think, I think I, I don't know. If this is really that great of a comment, but this is what I, this is my, Thoughts on the game. I love it when you say that before you say things. It's like Alabama barely wins or Georgia blows them out. I think those are the only two possibilities. Uh, no, I, I disagree. I think it's I, I think it's a close game all the way. 
I don't. Nick Saban is the greatest halftime adjuster we've ever seen. His teams were unbelievably good in the second half this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Georgia, <clears throat> like seventeen to seven at halftime. Mm. Alabama makes some some adjustments. Jalen Milrow makes some plays, and it is a back and forth game in the entire second half. And whoever has the ball last might win. The, the key is if if you can envision Carson Beck standing upright in the pocket for the majority of the game, Georgia will win. And the question is, what defensive scheme does Georgia have to stop Jalen Milrow's legs? That's the that that's ultimately what matters. And uh, don't ask Auburn to do it. <laughs> ask them how not to do it. Unbelievable. I'm going to call a timeout, rush two guys, and then I'm going to spy you with the player five yards downfield on a 31-yard play. Like, no, you either blitz that guy or you drop him into coverage so you don't have a guy in one-on-one in the back of the end zone. Unfucking believable hey, believe, I, I feel a little bad doing this because <laughs> season's not even over, but did you have any thoughts on this uh, leaked 2024 games? Uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> they're pretty awesome. Um, you can take that down if you, if you could take that down. Uh, the Texas Texas A&M on Thanksgiving is all that matters. That, that's the only one that really matters. All the other games are absolutely spin- spectacular. Bama's defense isn't that good. Well, I, I don't think that's the only one that matters. T- uh, Oklahoma, Tennessee, first SEC game for Oklahoma. Josh think, Heifel. Josh I just Heifel's mean they're all return. great. I just mean they're all great. Like they're all elite. A lot going on there. They're all elite games, but the one that timing matters to me is Texas, Texas A&M. I've been to two of those games. I went to two Texas, Texas A&M games in middle school. Those two games belong. That game belongs on Thanksgiving weekend. Otherwise, and we Bowl, may have Egg Bowl staying on Thanksgiving. Georgia weekend. at Texas, or we do have it, but we may have that. May be Arch Manning. How about that? These two finalists. Talk about um, that's talk interesting. About, talk about knowing how to organize and manage your program. Steve Sarkeesian has managed his quarterback room better than anybody I've seen in a long time. Not a single negative word about now, Arch, Arch Manning transferring or discontent or any of that stuff. Just hey, how, we're, how, we're gonna, one loss away from one win away from the playoff. How about this um, with Braden? Texas, Braden. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Braden hasn't been watching much Bama this season. <laughs> Bama's defense yeah. isn't that good. What you been doing, Braden? Uh, obviously uh, not watching any Alabama with Texas and Texas A&M on Thanksgiving that clearly opens up LSU. Do they bring that back to uh, Arkansas LSU annually in that, that week? That's not bad. That's not a bad idea. The, the, the golden dust boot. That's not bad. But then we finally have some steam here on Mizzou, Arkansas. So what do we do with that? I, you're not going to make everybody happy with the with the 16 team conference. But I guess it's not possible. I guess Oklahoma Missouri that week would make sense, don't you think? It, it they're, could. they're not playing Oklahoma State anymore, unfortunately. Okay, well, we got all off season to talk about this. I want to ask. I want one more. I want one more comment about Tennessee because I wanted to ask you this all along. Because mm-hmm. I can't believe fire him. I can't believe the the Tennessee people how they're acting about this season. First of all, which bottle of whiskey are you buying me? I think the bet was, is it Blanton's? Are you getting me a bottle of Blanton's? No free shouts? Blanton's? I can't afford that. (laughs) Um, After, I don't know, after a couple of months in the mountains, you should be, you should have high cash flow. Um, (laughs) 
the bet between Michael and I was nine wins is a push. Ten wins, I owe him a bottle of whiskey. Eight wins, he owes me a bottle of whiskey, and he owes me a bottle of bourbon. So I need to know which one you're you're offering. But here's my here's my question. There mm-hmm. are there are th- since 2007, three Tennessee quarterbacks have won eight regular season games. Josh mm-hmm. Dobbs, Hendon Hooker, and Joe Milton. Mm-hmm. For this program to win eight games during a rebuilding year, I think is a huge statement about what Josh Heupel has built in Knoxville, where this program is, and how far they have come. I think it is absurd that people think Nico Iamaleava as a freshman would have won them more games. I think that is utterly ridiculous. I am glad that ex- I'm ex- I'm absolutely ecstatic that Josh Heupel handled Nico the way he did, got him his four different games of reps, is going to allow him to build strength in the offseason, play in the bowl game, play in the practice, and come back and be ready to start next year, which he does look like he is going to be ready to start next year. It doesn't mean he is giving you a he is not going to beat Alabama on the road or make up for 40 points against Georgia or 30 points against Missouri. It is absurd that people think that Nico would have made some difference this year. It's stupid. I'd much rather have I'd much rather have Nico with as a redshirt freshman last year. Did I say his name wrong? I don't Nico, think so. I think you nailed it. Nico Iamaleava. <laughs> now I screwed it up. Nico Iamaleava. Um he, here's the thing. This was a rebuilding year, and they could win nine games. Do you know how long ago nine games was a celebration of this pro this football program? It, it is. It's not a great year, but it wasn't supposed to be a great year. It was a rebuilding year after an a, a, an elite season the year before, and it's all trending towards twenty four and twenty five. I don't understand what's hard to understand about this. Mm. I guess you just have a loser mentality, my friend, because. I'm trying to look at see who they beat. That's that's worth anything. Or you don't know how to or you don't know how to read. AM who fired their coach. These are our wins that we're happy about. They didn't play anybody in the non-conference. I don't know. I, I guess I just got a higher standard. They they should be better. And they should have been better the last 15 years. But and a bunch of dumb decisions screwed the co- up the program. The coach they have now is supposed to be an offensive mastermind here. And had he had he masterminded again, maybe would have got more than seven against Missouri and 10 on Georgia, 16 on Florida, 20 on Alabama. That you basically had all I think they had all that the first half. The Florida game is a huge disappointment that I put on Josh Heupel and the offense. The Missouri game is more about Missouri being better and because drink has had an extra year, two extra years to recruit or an extra year to recruit. Uh, that won't happen next year. He doesn't have that excuse. That game's going to be at home and he will have built the entire roster. I, I think there are, it's fair to ask questions about Tim Banks, but I think those are the exact same questions I had when they hired him. Uh, I think the talent needs to continue to get better, but this was a, quote unquote down year, a rebuilding year, and they're going to win potentially they're going to shoot for nine wins. And as I've already said, only two other quarterbacks since 2007, that's 16 years, have won eight regular season games for Tennessee. And his name's Josh Dobbs and Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton is, um, is the third. Yeah, you, you picked the worst years in program history, Braden. 
That's I, weird. I, that's what Josh Heupel was building out of, though. That that's just a fact. Mm. So the the fact that he has a, a rebuilding year is a an eight win regular season, which is something that's only happened two other times in fifteen years, is a huge step forward for the program. I don't understand why that's hard to understand. Next year, pressure. Like real I said, pressure, real pressure next year, real pressure. Loser mentality. Wait, loser mentality. <laughs> no, I mean I. That's that's fair points, but goddamn right, they're fair points. It's just I facts. I don't. I don't think this facts. season is anything to be celebrated. I didn't say you should if celebrate this Tennessee. season. I didn't say you should celebrate. I said you should have some perspective and context about where this program is coming from and where it's going to. I mean, to go from 50 points per game to 34. Oh, they don't play next year? Holy shit, I'm going to have to get used to this. Eric just said, Braden, Tennessee, and Mizzou don't play at 24. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have to get used to just automatically memorizing the schedules. That's going to be so much more complicated. I'm ready for it, though. Yeah, I mean, I did not. I didn't think this was yes, a it was. Year. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Their over-under was nine and a half. I bet you a bottle of whiskey they would go eight and four. This was a second-place team, best-case scenario, with a quarterback who was a bridge quarterback. They lost a, a, an all-pro, an all-rookie-of-the-year caliber left tackle, two NFL receivers. Their defensive depth chart is still nowhere near as good as Georgia and Alabama's. They were always going to lose those two games. They screwed up against Florida, and they're one play away from having a 9-3 and three season last year. They were ahead of schedule last year. They were on schedule this year. Next year is the pressure year. Next year is pressure to take a step forward. You have to be better than eight and four next year. That is the expectation. And the schedule gets harder probably, right? So I'm sure, yeah. I can't at Oklahoma. They, at Oklahoma. Old Josh Heupel. <laughs> that you don't want to talk about it. But I love all these people telling me how I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I actually, here's the thing. If I'm a Tennessee fan, couple extra pounds, some extra pork chops, some bowl practices, some reps in the bowl game, spring practice. I think I think from what I have seen so far and who I've talked to, I think you can allow yourself to get excited about what he could be next season. I think I think that's okay. His arm is clearly better than Joe Milton's, but it's not there yet. He needs a whole offseason of development. But man, I think it's okay to get excited about it. I'm a little concerned that uh, Hypo keeps hiring all these buddies. Well, that's a that'd be that'd be the big the, big red flag for me. That's every industry in all of American society, Mike. Hmm. I don't know. They're all loyal to a fault. Right. Well, It'd be nice to have Alex Golish back on the staff, though. <laughs> you got to be different, like you said. You know. I agree. It's hard to these coaches are loyal to a fault. So, all right. Um, I, I want to say, Jaden Daniels, you probably have the Heisman one if if Oregon doesn't do something spectacular. If Bo Nix does something spectacular and beats Washington and gets into the playoff, I think Bo Nix is going to win the award. Uh, you but, know, Auburn sure as hell could have used him. Their passing offense was was way it was too good this year. They don't they don't need him. <laughs> good passing offense. <laughs> Would Auburn have won the West with Bo Nix? Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think they have the exact same plan for 25 before it turns into 26 when they have to have a more set schedule. I think they have a two-year 
Uh, Eric says, gentlemen, what will the SEC do with the schedule? No, I think it's just one year. Right now, it's just one year. Well, they have not announced if it's the six and three model yet, which is what they need to do and what they're going to do because it makes them more money from their season ticket holders and more money from their TV partners. So mm -hmm. uh, I think I think the three and six model also protects more rivalries and cycles you through this, this, the, the conference faster. The three and six model is absolutely the better way to go. That They're going to end up there. Uh, but I think they have an, they have a built-in excuse with these two years of a 12-team trial playoff where they have like this they have a trial period where they can just make an excuse and say no we're, we don't want to make a decision for these two seasons. I my guess is that's what's going to happen and then by 26 they'll have a set like arrangement. They'll have a decision made because Greg Sankey is tired of this scheduling bullshit in the offseason. <laughs> I don't think it'll be two years though. I really don't. You think they'll do it this offseason and make it a three and six model moving forward in 25? Yes, because if they don't, that means we'll get one year of Texas, Texas A&M or Texas, Oklahoma. And then they'll abandon that for the, you know, like this is why they wanted, this is why they're going to give model. it to people and then take it away, you know? Well, but they could do it. They could do the same thing the following year and just put Texas and Oklahoma and A&M together. Like this, this year was fabricated, right? Like this year was just a right. fabricated schedule. But then the they, following year, it won't be there. That's what, that's I'm, what I'm saying. Right. What I'm saying is they could just fabricate it again in 25 and then set the schedule up for 26 to be the same for the next 10 years or whatever. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It could happen this year, though. It absolutely could happen this year. But ultimately, the three and six model because I think is, what they is absolutely want, what it needs to be. I, I think they need they want to show how how many how the ratings for all these damn games that I just threw up. I know. I know. And then and then they'll get their That's fine money bombs. they want, you know. Now you're now you're just parroting fine bomb. <laughs> well, yeah, he's the one that told me. Yeah. <laughs> he's and he's generally a pretty smart and knowledgeable and informed guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um no, he's he's putting out he's his whole point, fine bomb's point is we we're going to show everybody we don't need the extra games to draw the ratings. And while that's great, I I've never met a person who's like that's too much money. <laughs> Never met someone who said to somebody who's giving them money, no, 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 that's enough. Stop giving me more money. Because if you add an extra game, you make more money. So yep. you also protect more rivalries, which also is a pretty important thing to most of us who love the sport. So three and, three and six is coming. All they got to do is just like pay off Mark Stoops and uh, like a couple other ADs to make sure they vote yes. Mark Stoops. Because Auburn, Auburn basically bailed on that vote, if you remember, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Al Nick Saban's like, no, I don't want to play a tougher schedule. Oh, well. <laughs> what a, whatever happened to that guy? Yeah, whatever, whatever happened to that guy? He's one game away from the playoff. <laughs> All right, Mike, always a pleasure, my man. Um, congrats to AM. I guess congrats to Mississippi State on getting their, their coaches. Uh, Great seasons by Missouri and Ole Miss. Didn't get a chance to talk about you guys today, but we'll talk about you guys in, in, the, in the December months because you guys had spectacular seasons. You deserve more conversation about how good those two years were, Missouri and Ole Miss. Um, but we'll get to that uh, as the offseason. I love you, Bo. You've been great all day. You've been telling me how right I am all day. I will absolutely shout you out, Bo. Um, and I have walked through your football facility and your stadium down there, unlike Stephen Lassen. Uh, so that is, <laughs> that is correct, Bo. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that's about it. Make sure you swing on over to the 440 Sports YouTube page and just give us a subscription. We got game previews and stuff over there, uh, all kinds of SEC content. So go check that out. I know, obviously, that SEC podcast has got a ton of the stuff that you guys are doing. So uh, check it out. Uh, I crack is not my uh, 
<laughs> crack is not my uh i wasn't even gonna show that one <laughs> no you can put it up there crack crack is not my preferred uh smoke you know no schedule is easy yep that's right don't smoke crack everybody for mike i am brayden thank you for listening enjoy the championship game we'll be back next tuesday this has been sec football bye